0: How many of you find it easy to follow God? Okay, there's a few brave of you. How many of you find it really difficult sometimes? Yeah, it's really hard, right? And so when I read scripture, one of the things I do when I read scripture is I, I try to read scripture from that perspective. Because listen, let's be honest. There's times I think God must have his hands full with me, right? Anybody ever feel that way? I mean, how many of you have ever thought to yourself, man, God's gotta have his hands full with my wife or my husband, right? Like, we, we think that. I, I mean, I think that. But let's be honest, right? This is the God who created the universe in six days, right? This is the God that can raise the dead to life. I am fairly certain, factually, that God does not have his hands full with any of us here online. Now, some of you in the land, maybe so. I'm just kidding, right? But, The reality is I don't think God has his hands full with any of us. My guess is no matter what our age is, no matter what our status in life is in regard to our faith, my guess is that many of us struggle at times with God because he can be a handful. I mean, listen, let's think about it. Anybody that has that much power, that much knowledge, that much presence, that much authority, and doesn't have to have your opinion to make any decisions can be a handful. Yes or no? Yeah. In our world, we call those people teenagers, right? So, no, the reality is that's a difficult thing. You know, it would be hard, listen, it would be hard if God came and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think about it? And you gave your opinion and disagreed, but God did it anyway. Listen, that would be hard, but that didn't what happened. happen. Life just throws things at you, and then you've got to figure out. Listen, the struggle for human beings in our condition is to struggle to stay connected to God all the way through this journey. Amen? It's a struggle. And the reality is too much, listen, too much of our preaching is determined to convince you that you're not capable of it. Duh, of course we're not. Right? That's why God grants us the Holy Spirit in the process. That's why we belong to a church and find love and support in the journey. But even in that, it can be an incredible struggle. And so as we get into the stories here in the book of Genesis, listen, if you've never read the Bible... Listen, you owe it to yourself to read it. If nothing else, out of curiosity, because I'm telling you, this story, this is a jacked up story that we're covering today. And there are weirder stories coming. I mean, this could be, listen, this right here, this Genesis 16, this could be an episode of Jerry Springer just like that, right? This is, this could be a daytime soap opera episode. Like, the stories in here are unbelievably Human. And one of the things you get to see as you walk through these stories is how, how do these people stay connected to God? How do they do it? And, and how does God just not discard these crazy flawed people? Because so many of us think there's no way God wants to put up with me. There's no way God wants to keep me. You have no idea how much grace God has for you. You have no idea how much love God has for you. You have no idea how much space God has for you. Until you read through these stories and watch how God works in this myth. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 18. And the story of Abram and Sarai and Hagar. Let me just get this out of the way. I don't like to preach low hanging fruit. And what I mean by that is it's easy to look at a text, make an assumption and preach about the assumption. Most people, listen, I I spent all week reading and I spent all week listening. And here's what I found. Most people make this assumption. Abraham and Sarah got tired of waiting on God. So they got this woman who was their servant, said, we're having a baby. It's going to be ours through you. And we decided we're sick of waiting on God. So that's what we did. Here's the problem with that theory. It doesn't say that in the Bible. Now, one place does it say Sarah and Abraham got together and went, you know what? It's been 10 years. We don't know what God's doing. We're sick of waiting on him. That didn't happen. We do know what did happen. We do know what caused this decision to take place. And it's about that that I want to speak to. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read a few verses in Genesis chapter 16. Here's the story. Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maid servant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord's kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Listen to the language, right? Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, his wife, Sarah, took, Sarah his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, She began to despise her mistress, or she began to despise Sarai. Sarai said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me, Abram. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, and so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you're now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard his misery. Ishmael means the Lord hears. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. Gave the name the Lord who spoke. The Lord who spoke to her. This is sh- her name for the Lord. She said, "You are the God who sees." Or El Roy in the Hebrew. For she said, "I have now seen the one who sees me." This is why the well was called Laha Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar. Bore Abram a son. Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. You can be seated. Quite a story, ain't it? Right? Quite a story. So what can we learn? Right? What can we learn from it from a human perspective? Because I always make the assumptions that humans can have some difficulty staying connected to God. Because listen, life is hard story proves it, right? Or just confirms it. Here's the first thing I want to talk about. Pain and blame. Pain and blame. Here's here's where you get what happens in the story, right? It says in chapter 16, verse 1, right? Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him what? No children. Now think about it. Ladies in the room, the land, online, 10 years. 10 years this woman who loved this man, had been married to this man, right? And for 10 years, the reason they knew that they had had no children, because clearly they were participating in physical intimacy as husband and wife. And in spite of that, and in spite of no birth control, she still had how many children? No children, 10 years. Now listen, I don't know your stories, but my guess is there are are women in here Online in the land that can relate to struggling with infertility. And even in 2023, it is an unbelievably hard struggle. There are people who take seasons away from attending church because someone's trying to get pregnant and struggling with fertility issues while other people just seem to walk in and next thing you know, boom, we're pregnant. Oh, we didn't mean to, right? That's a struggle even in 2023. Now imagine the pain of a wife of 10 years who has no child and who's struggling with it in a world where a woman is only valued by what she does and who she brings into the world. And you begin to just get a glimpse of the pain that Sarai was feeling. You see, we say these people were so impatient. They got tired of waiting on God. These people were too selfish to think about that. Sarah was living in her pain of no childbirth. Listen to what she says in verse 2. It says this. Sarai said to her husband, The Lord has kept me from having children. In the Hebrew, that's a qual perfect. That means the Lord has kept me from having children. And the Lord just keeps me. From having children. Guess who she's blaming for her condition? She's blaming God. Anybody relate to that? Can anybody in here online in the land relate to blaming God for what you're going through? Listen, if you talk to if you talk to anybody for a very long period of time, There are people outside of these doors, outside of these walls that will not consider God in any way, shape or form because they can't wrap their mind around a God who would allow or who would actively be involved in such things. Because remember, God has how much power and God has how much knowledge and how much authority and guess who's in charge of having babies? God is. And if you're not having one, guess who's in charge of that? God. So Sarah says, this is God's fault. Listen, there are lots of people who are in that kind of pain. Listen, Sarah and Abram didn't sit around a fire and try to plan to get ahead of God. These were men and women. Don't marginalize the people of Scripture as if they're not you and me. These are real people. This was a real woman who loved her husband and wanted nothing more than to give him a child. And we don't know, but God's already said to Abram, you're the man. I'm going to build a great nation through you. I'm going to bless every nation through you. I don't know if Abram went home and had pillow talk with his wife, and told his wife what God had told him. But my guess is, if he's like any of us, there was probably a conversation where he She said, honey, how was your day? And he goes, whew, it was quite a day. Apparently, I'm God's man, right? There's a good possibility he told her the story. Now imagine her pain and her shame. Not only is she feeling the pain of having no children, she's feeling the shame of being the reason that God can't keep his promise to her husband. You get the pain? Now, how many of you struggle with that? My guess is there are lots of people in here that struggle with that kind of pain. There are lots of people online in the land that struggle with that pain. And here's the thing about that pain. And here's where Sarah fails. Sarah, nowhere in scripture, takes her pain to the Lord. Nowhere. She keeps it to herself and she shares it only with her husband. And as we find out, her husband's a little bit of a dope, right? He's not the greatest model for being a husband, Right? And the reality is there might be some of you, listen, there are some of you in here that are brand new to your journey. Some of you online or in the land that might be new. And some of you that might be doing this a long time and you still haven't figured out it's completely okay to be honest with God. Listen, there is nothing that you can say, no emotion you can't express to God that he can't handle. And yet some of you struggle mightily with that. How you doing? I'm fine. Really? Yeah, I'm fine. Right, And you're far from it. And yet in that misery or that pain, either pride has gotten in the way, fear has gotten in the way, but you won't communicate that to God. Listen, scripture is full, full of people who voice their complaints to God. Let me read a couple of scriptures. Psalm chapter um, 38, 1 through 3. Oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Right? For you, listen to David. Look who he's blaming for his pain. Your arrows, God, have pierced me. Your hand has come upon me. Right? Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have had no soundness because of my sin. David cries out, for I am about to fall and my pain is ever with me. Listen, read the Psalms of your person that struggles with expression. Write your expression out. Record it on your phone. Listen, I do that a lot. I'll, I will use my voice in my car when I drive to give God my two cents, right? Because I've learned after 59 years in he, in this world, there's not really anybody that cares about my two cents. I'm not sure he does, but I give it to him, right? And sometimes I know it's gonna be good, so I just record it, right? Because I wanna keep it, right? Listen, you gotta learn how to get that stuff. Some of you in here, and listen, don't take, the, take. I saw somebody laugh last night. Don't take offense to this, but some of you are posers. You love God and you love Jesus, but you won't have an honest relationship with Him. And here's the thing: all that un, all that repressed, that ungiven feeling and hurt and pain and shame that you don't share. I hate to break it to you, but as humans, we leak like crazy. All that stuff that you suppress, all that stuff that you repress, it comes out. It comes out in your job, it comes out in your relationships, it comes out in your home, it comes out in some of the stupid decisions. I mean, let's be honest. Do you think Sarah's plan was a good plan? It was a dumb plan. But you know what? When we have a lot of pain and a lot of shame, we make a lot of dumb plans. Amen? And here's the thing, if you would talk about some of those things to God and get those things off, listen to what Psalm 6 says. The psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 6, he says of of, his pain, you know how I'm scorned, how I'm disgraced, and how I'm shamed. All my enemies, right? Listen, we go to counseling and say, never say always, never never say all, never say all the time, right? Never say never. If you read David... He breaks every one of those rules. You know how I'm scorned, disgrace and shame. All my enemies. He's all of my enemies, he says, are before you, God. Right? Scorn has broken my heart, left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, he says, right? But there was none. I looked for comforters, but I found zero, right? They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Listen on. We might not be as poetic of that when we complain to God. But my guess is there are lots of you. Lots of you online and here that have a couple things you need to get off your chest to God. You know what? It's about time you did. Because pain and shame, it's a real thing. And here's the thing. If you don't get it off your chest and you don't give it to God, you're probably going to come up with a dumb plan. And the reality is when we make dumb plans, innocent people get hurt. And that's exactly what takes place in this story. Listen to the way Peter said it. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, here's his admission to us to deal with our pain and our shame. He says, humble yourselves. Listen, for some of you, it's a simple issue. You don't want to do it because you got too much pride. Listen, get over yourself. You're a walking, talking disaster. You might think that you got it all together. You don't. You might look the part. You might sound the part. You might even drive the car that fits the part, but you're a walk and talkin' disaster. You're as broken as the next person. So he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Right? Cast everybody say it. Cast what? How much? All your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Listen, it's a pretty simple process. There's pain. There's shame in this journey that you've got, and you either get to suppress it, repress it, and come up with a dumb plan, or you get to go to God with it. And listen, that's exactly what God wants. He wants you to communicate to Him. Sarah didn't do that. But God knows she had a ton of it. Here's the second thing. Good for the goose, good for the gander. How many of you heard of that saying? Alright, we got, we got an old church. Amen, right? Like, young people are like, I don't know what that is, right? Elijah, do you ever hear that saying? Oh, yes. All right. Elijah's an old soul, so he gets it, right? Good for the goose, good for the ganner. It means whatever's good for you is good for me, right? There's no double standard. Here's a part of the story that I find fascinating, right? So last week, Joe preached on Genesis 15. If you haven't listened to Genesis 15 and Joe's sermon, you should. It was a great sermon. He did a fantastic job, right? But listen to what Abraham went through just a chapter before, okay? Genesis 15. This is Abram, Sarah's husband, right? After this, this is in Genesis 15:1. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Here was the word. Don't be afraid. I'm your shield, I'm your great reward, right? Man, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I'd like for God to just show up and say that to me, right? Be a lot easier, right? He says, Abram, here's what Abram says in response. Sovereign Lord, so God comes and says, hey, it's all gonna be good, you're still my man, we got this, right? And here's what Abram says. Sovereign Lord, I mean, this is why I love the Bible. These are people. Abram's response is, great, now I've got an issue, okay? And he says, what are you going to give me since I still remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? He goes on. Listen to Abram. Abram says, you, God, have given me no children. Guess who Abram's blaming for his pain? He's blaming God. This happened the chapter before. So Abram is in the same place that Sarai is. He says, God, you've given me no children. So a servant in my household is going to be my heir. And God said to him, listen to what God said to him. God said, come on, drama, bring it up, right? Next verse. There it is. Whew, that's, a dr- that's too long a dramatic pause, right? It says, listen to what God says. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Then look what happens. He takes him outside, looks up at the heavens and, and says, if you count the stars, right? If you can indeed count these stars, he said, that. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Here's what he didn't say. Abram didn't go to God and say, listen, I ain't got no children. You're not letting me have any kids. Here's my pain, God. God didn't go to him and say, listen, there's something wrong with your faith, dude. You just need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. You know what? When was the last time you were in church? Are you in a small group? He did not chide Abram for his pain and his shame. Instead, he comforted him. He took him outside. He put his arms around him and he said, it's going to be okay. Now, here's the thing. When Sarai goes to her husband, who had just gone to God for the exact same pain when Sarai comes to her husband and says, I'm in pain, God won't let me have kids, I've got a stupid plan. Instead of giving God comfort to her, he went, okay. <laughs> right, we have a saying in the world that a, that, a, that a good friend will help you move. But a great friend will help you move a body. Right? I know, I know. Welcome to Jamocha, get over it, Right? Listen, that might be a great phrase in the world, but that is not a great biblical stance. Listen, the reality is what you don't need, what I don't need, when we're in pain and we've got a dumb plan, is the kind of friend that will let you carry out your dumb plan. Listen, Abram was in pain. He went to God and God comforted him. When Sarai went to her husband, instead of giving her the comfort he got, He went along with their dumb plan. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says. 2 Corinthians says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of how much comfort? All comfort, right? He comforts us in how many troubles? All of them, right? Listen to this. Why does God comfort you? Why does God comfort me? So that you and I can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Listen, you want to know one of the greatest blessings of your pain, of your trouble, of your struggle, of all of that stuff? Is that if you go to God, he will comfort you. Because He's the God of all comfort in all trouble. And here's the great thing about God's comfort. You then get to go and work on His behalf and give comfort to other people. Why do you think we need you as a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, or a 50-year-old to go be a youth partner? Because you've certainly experienced the pain of being a teenager. You've experienced the comfort of God in your journey as an 18-year-old. Guess who needs that? The 150 students that are walking the halls in the forge, they need that kind of help. Why do you think we want you to serve as one of the 200 volunteers in our children's ministry? Because many of you know the exact pain of being in a broken home, of being an abused home, of being in a home that feels empty and lost as a child. Guess what? that comfort that God's given you in that journey, you can walk out into that into that side of the building and serve in children's ministry one of five times during a week. And guess what you can give? You can give that comfort away. Why do you think we want people in the food pantry, or people in the parking lot, or people at the Jesus Clinic, or people on the mission trips? Because guess what? Your pain has a purpose. If you express your pain to God and you experience His comfort, guess what you get to do? You get to give that same comfort away. And so God doesn't need to be in your home because you're there. God doesn't need to be in these places because guess what? God's people are there doing God's work. That's what ministry is. Listen, I lost a child coming out of Bible college. And right after I lost a child, I lost a wife because she left and she took her other child with us and never came back. I experienced elders firing me from a church and removing me from my home. And one of the week, within a week, a week... Within a week, I'd lost a son. I'd lost two sons. My wife had left. The church that had hired me had served for four years, fired me. I was without a home, without a job, and without a family. took seven days. Now, I can't tell you how many times God used that space that he comforted me in to give that same comfort to other people who've lost a child, who've lost a job and been fired by a church. Listen, what you're going through, if you give it to God, unlike Sarah, God will comfort you. Listen, comfort may not come in the time. Listen, it took me seven years. So I'm not sitting here telling you it's going to happen overnight. Now, part of that was my fault. And part of it was my fault that I wasn't ready to be comforted. But it took me seven years to finally get the comfort that I needed from God to realize I could move forward. Because before that, I was angry. I was miserable. My family was suffering all of the stupid decisions. I mean, listen, I could write a book. Well, my wife could write a book of all the stupid decisions I made in my pain and my shame as opposed to going to God. Right? And she can entitle that book, I don't know why I stayed. Right? It would be a bestseller. Right? Right? Listen, a lot of you know that. Many of you know that heartache. But here's the great thing about pain. You can give it away. You can even give it away to other people. And that's where we come up with sayings like, hurt people, hurt people. Well, you know what, if you if you hurt people, would give your hurt to God, you'd hurt less people. Because what happens is in our misery, we skip God, we come up with a dumb plan, we inflict pain on other people, right? But here's the thing, if you give it to God and you allow him to comfort you, you get to be this amazing comforter. Now listen, I don't know about you, I don't like to be cold, hate it. Grew up in a house with no with no insulation, one stupid cold stove, heating a house in the midwinter. I hate being cold. Anybody else? Hate it. Listen, I don't care if it's 110 degrees outside, I'll sweat like a dog. Don't care. But don't let me be cold. So my favorite, my favorite thing in the world is a comforter. Anybody else? I love a good comforter, right? Crank that AC down to 66 and give me a comforter, right? Like I want it. And there's just something about it. Listen, so many of us are struggling with things in the world and we have no comforter. Go to God and let him comfort you so that God then can in turn use you to comfort other people. Romans says it this way really simply. Romans 12 says this. Rejoice with those who rejoice and simply mourn with those who mourn. Quit asking, what do I say? What do I say? Don't say a word. Don't say a word. Be there for them. Let them use you as a comforter. Don't be the person that David prays for and says, I've asked for a comforter and found none. Be a comforter. But you can't be one until you let God comfort you in your pain and misery. Listen, I've dealt with a lot of angry church folk over the years. I can tell you most angry church folk are just people who are in pain or have shame and have not given it to God and have found no comfort in that journey. And they just need somebody to be angry at. There's a better way, church. And here's the last thing. Alone but not abandoned. Right? Alone but not abandoned. This was Hagar. And this, Hagar is a person that a lot of you can relate to. A lot of you online and in the land can relate to this. Here's the thing. There's a lot of people in pain that come up with really dumb plans and innocent people get hurt. Children get hurt all the time because people decide to do something stupid, like get together, get married and have a baby and they got no business doing it. Children get hurt all the time because one person's unhappy and that person decides to destroy the home and the family gets ruined and innocent children get hurt. Some of you have gone through the trauma of having a spouse decide, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being married to you. I'm gonna have an affair. And all of a sudden you just get run over. You name what your situation is My guess is almost all of us in here have have experienced a season where where we felt alone and abandoned. And that is exactly how Hagar felt. Listen, this was a slave. She had no voice and she had no rights. Abraham and Sarah didn't go to her and say, hey, listen, this baby thing isn't working out for us. God's got... Abram tapped to be a great nation. We're thinking we're going to need a baby for that to happen. Uh, we'd like to use you, Hagar. What do you think about that? That didn't happen. They just went in and said, we got a dumb plan and it's going to involve you. And you got no voice in the situation. And when Abram got the plan, he went, okay. And then he got blamed for the plan. And then he just like Abram did when Sarah said, this is your fault, Right. Her plan didn't work out the way she wanted to, so it was Abram's fault. Husbands, we know that logic, right? Don't laugh, you're gonna get in a fight later, okay? Right? <laughs> Sorry, right? Now I've lost my train of thought, right? I just completely lost my, cause now I'm thinking I'm gonna get in a fight later, you know? <laughs> so, so the reality is, is that, that in this plan that they had, Hagar had no voice. And when you fast forward it, there she sits, pregnant, and nobody cared about her. And she's in the middle of nowhere and God shows up to her. He shows up to her and he speaks to her and he asks her two really dumb questions. Where did you come from and where are you going? Now, let me ask you a question. Did God know where, where Hagar had come from? And did he know where she was going? Those are dumb questions, aren't they? But they weren't. You know what those questions show? God was really concerned about Hagar felt. His first question was, honey, I need you to tell me about your pain. What's going on in your life? And the second thing I need you to tell me is, where are you going to go to make it better? Where is the place that you're going to go where you can find healing and hope from this pain that you're in? My guess is God was the first person to ever take any interest in Hagar's opinions and thoughts. And you know what she called him? She called him, you're the God who sees. There were a lot of people that said things about God in scripture. She was the very first. An Egyptian slave woman was the very first person in the story of God to give him a nickname. And she called him, Elroy. you are the God who sees me. Listen, there are some of you in here that right now all you need is for somebody to see you. You need somebody to know right now you're on the verge of doing something stupid. Something harmful. Something that is completely going to change the direction of your life. And you only feel that way because you don't think anybody sees you. Listen, Scripture makes it clear that God sees you. That God sees you. And that God hears you. And God knows your pain. And he knows where you're at. Let, Let me share with you real quick the promise that God gave Hagar in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 11. This is a slave woman who Abraham had gotten pregnant. Right? She's a free man who gets her pregnant. It's Genesis 16, verse 11. It's the first scripture and the third point there. Lori, the angel of the Lord said to her, this is a slave woman. You are now a child and you're going to have a son. There you go. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. Here's what I want you to hear what God didn't tell her. God didn't tell her, your boy's going to be a slave. This was a slave woman who had no voice in getting pregnant by her master's husband. And yet when God shows up to her, here's what he says. Yeah, your boy's going to be a handful. And we're still dealing with that handful. But here's what he does say. Your boy won't be a slave. He won't live the life that you've lived with no voice and in slavery. And what do you think that felt like to that slave woman? You think that felt comforting? Yeah, I think it did. You see, here's the thing about those of you that feel alone and abandoned like Hagar did. who feel like you got run over by a truck and you didn't do anything wrong. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. Here's what Hebrews 13 says. Hebrews 13, the writer says these things to us. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Why? Because God has said this. Everybody online, in the land, everybody in here, read this with me. Never will... When? Never. Never. He goes on to say this. So we say, because we know God will never leave us, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Listen, there's 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 more pain and shame in this room online and in the land than we could imagine. There's a place to go with that church. It's not into a dumb plan. It's into giving it to God. Listen, don't live a double standard. If you've been comforted by God, put yourself in a position to comfort other people. And when other people come to you for comfort, give them God's comfort that you got from him. Don't keep it to yourself. And if you're feeling alone or abandoned because of what's happened to you or what you're going through, remember this, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So I can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. And I will not be afraid. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh, the story for giving humans hope and the journey of staying connected to you. My prayer is for our church. To stay connected to you, our prayer, my prayers for those online and those in the land to stay connected to you and allow you to be the God who hears and to be the God who sees. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I'm gonna ask you to stay in church. We're gonna close today's service not by song, but by reading one scripture together. So if you're in the land, we're gonna ask you to do the same thing. But here's what we're gonna do to end. We're going to read Psalm 42, Lori. that last verse there in Psalm 42. David writes these words in Psalm 42. Sorry, I threw them a curveball. Here's what it says. So let's close out our service with this scripture. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. God bless you, church.